from the Thomas and Mac. It's Cofield and Company. Elon, this past four. Look at him go. Inside the 20. Into the 10. Oh, he takes it the distance. Wow. What a joke. Just when the Bengals need it. There he is to the end zone. And he comes down with it. Outrageous. What a catch. Chase 101. Forget about it. Stafford end zone cup. He's got it. Touchdown Rams. Garoppolo under pressure. Donald got there in the air. Intercepted by the Rams. And they may ride to the Super Bowl on that. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Thomas and Mac is the site. Adam Hill is here. We're getting ready for a 7:30 tip with Arino in town against UNLV. We'll get into some basketball a little later on, but a lot of NFL stuff. We have a, a lot of analysis. I think I didn't talk to Adam about this at all, but you know, we put together a rundown. We go organic on reaction to Josh McDaniels as the head coach, Dave Ziegler. As the new GM, what MD had to say yesterday, so we'll be covering all that. We got Tom Brady officially retiring, even though it was fake news. Over the weekend, he made that official today with a message. But we have a blockbuster story that's coming down the pike. Let's do it. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now 877-700-NOVA. This is completely insane. It's completely insane on so many fronts. Brian Flores... Oddly fired from the Miami Dolphins after going 19 and 14 in the last two years. Making the rounds at all these interviews around the National Football League. By the way, you'll remember, if you listen often, that Adam Candy and I, the day that Brian Flores was fired, there were stories coming out, oh, this is where he's going to go. This guy's a coveted dude. And I said, five seconds after reading that, he's not getting a job. (laughs) Now, what was I betting on? I was betting on the NFL to be the NFL in terms of hiring of diversity candidates, people of color. They've been woeful. So I was just betting with the odds. And the stuff, you know, you hear about Flora's personality. You know, there was some kind of split with Ross, the owner of the Dolphins. And I figured, you know, the NFL will do what the NFL does. You know, he'll be shut out. But I didn't know this was coming. So Brian Flores has filed suit against the NFL, the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the New York Giants for racial discrimination. And the suit is really interesting. And when you hear the stories, you're like, "Eh, this could happen, that could happen, that could happen. Very believable. Very believable. What do you want to start to unpack first? Uh, I mean... There's so there's so many layers to it. First of all, I think I'm trying to think the word you used of you know stunning or um, you know I, I've seen a lot of people say well it's shocking. Well, each of the individual allegations here not shocking Are at all. Not it's shocking everything we know. At all. It's shocking to see it all laid out. It's well, shocking I, to see a suit filed. I think what's shocking is this guy essentially is going to fight a fight that could end his career as a coach. In the National Football League. Maybe he gets a coach down the road as, you know, a college coach. But 
the guy's basically undertaking a fight that could end it all, and he's not like some old guy. He ain't, you know, he ain't 68 years old, you know, basing this on 35 years of experience around the NFL. He's a guy who should get a job soon. He ain't going to after this. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel that's what he wanted because I still think he would have got a job. Um, I, I, think, I, don't, I, I don't think he was getting any of these jobs. I think, I think reading a little into the tea leaves of where he's coming from, he, he is very turned off from the NFL for, you know, I think some justifiable reasons of clear discrimination. Uh, but also, if you, if you dig in, there's so much stuff back here, as we said, we'll get into some of the details of it. But um, I think his experience in Miami was so gross to him. I have some different feelings, but I think it's so gross to him that he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. This this sucks. This is not this is not what I got into coaching for. I don't want to do this. And I think that's part of it. So when we start to lay out some of the details of this, I, I will say, first of all, I did talk to uh, a couple of lawyers, not Justin. I haven't talked to him yet, our, our legal insider who we'll, um, I'm sure, hear from tomorrow. But I talked to a couple of lawyers that said, this is a media lawsuit. <laughs> this is a lawsuit written for everyone in the media to be like, oh! Oh my God! Yeah. And it's not really a. There are some things that will hold up in court and will be will be litigated, right. but this is for all of us to just be like, my good. He called well, it a kitchen sink lawsuit, all those sorts of things. I think it's for a cause. And of I course. said to you right before the show, I'm like, I don't, he's not going to win the lawsuit, right. but he can't really lose. The NFL is lost. And then, yeah. well, let, let's go through the allegations first of all, because the NFL, by we, the way, we have nine hours. The NFL. <laughs> In less than two hours, did a deep dive investigation, apparently, and said there's no merit to any of the claims. Their, their, like, their statement came out just as we were coming on the air, and it included the words, the lawsuit is without merit, which, how do you know? Did you call me one guy? Did you, first of all, did you text Bill Belichick and say, hey, is this real? Nah, man. <laughs> That's it? We're done? It's without merit? Who is this? All right, most damning thing, because I think this has real repercussions, if it can be proven is the battle between Brian Flores and Steven Ross over tanking. So I love this part. So the allegation from Brian Flores is that Steven Ross came to him and said, hey, we're tanking. And Brian Flores said, no, we are not. I'm the coach of this team. We are going out there, and we're going to try to win every single week. And Steven Ross's response was, I will pay you $100,000 every cost that you can rack up this year. <laughs> Which, to me, I think a lot of people are reacting to this. To me, I say Flores deserves to be fired. You're tasked from your boss with trying to lose games. Now, of course, it's not trying to lose games. You're trying to get the draft pick that you want. All right, well, but, but stick to the fact that you're paying to affect competitive integrity in, in a given year. This is something other NFL owners and the commissioner has to look at. This is... To me, an offense that if they have some proof of it, Ross will not be the owner of the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my first reaction. Pay for losses, this is, you're out. Yeah. Now, if I were Ross and they're starting to push me out, then I'm countersuing over Dan Snyder and the fact that he's still in the league. So this yeah. could turn out to be a whole mess. But oh, yeah. an owner, I mean, I guess you could quietly incentivize it, but straight up payments for losses, come on. I mean, it's, it, it would be... I mean, it's along the line. It's, you know, it's funny. I thought about – boy, I got to tell you this. I watched the Kevin James, Sean Payton movie. Okay. Holy I crap. Can't, I can't wait to watch it. It's unbelievable. But 
you know, I forgot about Bounty Gate. And then, like, I think back to Bounty Gate and how seriously they treated it. And I'm, I'm, now that I think back, I'm like, eh, I mean, I guess it was worth a year suspension. If that's a year suspension, yeah. I mean, you're affecting competitive integrity on both sides, trying to injure players for pay. You're trying to lose, and you're going to pay your coach. So that, that can't be tolerated. So yeah. that's one of the charges. Uh, the other one is Flores claims that Stephen Ross wanted him to tamper with a big-name quarterback who came to Miami, I think it was, for a visit on a yacht. Well, and, and Flores was like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not tampering to try to get this guy. Well, and let, let's lay out the, part, the first part. F- Ross went to him and said, and by the way, a lot of speculation who this big-name quarterback is. It's one of two guys. It's either Brady or Watson. I still believe it's Brady, but everybody else in the world seems to believe it's Watson. So he says, hey, reach out to this dude. We want him. And Flores responds to say, we can't do that. He's under contract. It's not really allowed. That's not, it's not going to happen. We're going to do things by the book. And Ross said, no, we're not. Reach out to him. Tell him we want him. Get him here. And Flores said, no, I'm not going to do that. So Ross, down the road, a couple weeks later, whatever the timeline is, says, hey, man, uh, come over to my yacht. We're going to have lunch. Sit down. We're going to have to talk about some things. So Flores says, okay, cool. Gets on the yacht. And Ross says, Hey, good news. Big name quarterback is on his way over. Just happens to be here. We can we can talk. And Flores loses it on him according to the lawsuit. Says, "What are you doing? I'm not doing this." And leaves before having this interaction. So basically he tried to set him up. I I saw somebody describe this as this is worse than like the parent trap. <laughs> what is he doing? It's so silly to lay this out, but is it believable? Yeah. Of course it is. Yes. I think it is. And so now you're getting into, hey, uh, and, and by the way, both of these incidents absolutely explain what went wrong in Miami. Uh, people said, hey, there was a, co- a personality conflict. Yeah, Flores wanted to actually play by the rules. Ross didn't. Um, you understand how there was a falling out there of Stephen Ross saying, yeah, you're doing a great job, but, dude, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. And Flores is like, I don't want to really work for this guy who is trying to ask me to break the rules. So you understand where that came from, but I do think it's a fascinating legal argument of, hey, I'm your boss, this is what I'm asking you to do, and the response being, yeah, that's not, that's not appropriate, that's not how we do it, where is that, you know, where is that line? How, how, how much you know, responsibility do you have for asking somebody to break the rules that then doesn't want to break the rules, and, and then getting rid of them for that? I mean, there is so many layers to that, and by the way, these are two insane allegations not even scratching the surface of the lawsuit yet. <laughs> yeah, Brian Flores' statement says, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals in making the decision to file the class action complaint. I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love. So if you're just tuning in, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins, a guy from the Belichick coaching tree, is suing the league and several teams. We'll get to the allegations against the Giants, against the Broncos. Apparently there was a text conversation released that was between Brian Flores and one Bill Belichick. Later on, we will get to our breakdown of everything that was said yesterday by Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the new head coach and GM of the Raiders. Nova Home Loans brings you trending at three. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. 
I was very impressed with how exhaustive they were just in their evaluation of me and my fit and how I would fit into their vision. And then you come out and you spend time with them. You meet the people. You see that everything's done in a first-class manner. Um, their commitment to winning is easy to feel, to see. Now, back to Cofield and Company. And to me, walking through this building, having a sense of the history and tradition of this organization and how much that impacts you know, the day-to-day here, it really hit me. This is one of those iconic places. It's a historic organization that has unbelievable history and tradition, um, you know, and it's in every hallway. All right, that sounds good, right, for Raiders fans? Josh McDaniels talking about all the history. Both he and the new GM were raving about the facilities, and you, could, you, know, you feel the family atmosphere, the commitment to excellence. So we got a lot to break down with Josh McDaniels because we haven't had a convo with Adam, who was out there covering it yesterday, and Adam's you know, one of the primary beat writers for the Raiders in Las Vegas. Everything has been usurped by what is a crazy story developing around the NFL, and that is another guy from the Belichick tree who actually did have success. It's basically him and Bill O'Brien, <laughs> right? That's it. No, your guy Mangini got one playoff appearance. Mangenius, yeah. Um, and – People mentioned Vrabel, but he actually didn't coach for Belichick. So the tree has had a tough time, and now the tree is going like it. I think Flores would be a branch, basically, who's looking to freaking skewer teams and the league because he's pissed. And, and, and he, real- he has filed, <coughs> excuse me, he has filed a lawsuit against the league, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants with a bunch of allegations. We went through the Dolphins' allegations. We'll get to the Giants and the Broncos. And also a text combo he released from Bill Belichick, which I don't – I mean, it's funny. We were – you know, yesterday we were talking about, you know, for Belichick, there's been stories in the past. If you leave Belichick, like, you ain't taking anyone else. And if you try to, his ass is chapped. So now you got two guys going to the Raiders, right? And now Flores has released a Belichick text. You think I'm, – I'm sure he asked Belichick, and Belichick's like, yeah, do it. What do you think? What do you see in this text? Well, there's a lot. First of all, Bill Belichick is as bad at texting as everybody maybe thought he would be. Apparently, I mean, I've done this. I, I've, I've had a penchant, at least in the past, I think. I probably still do it. You know, it's like I'm texting someone to just shred Ari, right? <laughs> like I'm texting you to rip on Ari, and I text Ari instead. I think it's happened to most people. Uh, yeah. it, it famously... As a side, I think we've talked about that since all before. It famously blew up one of the most popular radio shows in in history. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, it was. It was during the show. It, it was Opie and Anthony that were referring oh, to. They were Dur- talking trash about each other during the show. Yeah, yeah. Anthony tried to send a text to Norton trashing Opie, Opie during the show. Sent it, sent it to Opie, and he sent it to Opie. That's awesome. Which is, I mean, these things happen. Like, it, yeah. but it also well, the other thing that happens is like for for the longest time, I don't know why. Um, our buddy Andy, right. Uh, who's a little bit crazy. You know, he, sure. he, he's the one who had the great story about losing his car. Um, I used to tech, uh, text Andy Grossman here at UNLV all the time thinking I was texting Andy, our buddy. <laughs> great. Well, that, that's really what happened in the situation. That is Belichick what happened, situation. right? So what happened here <laughs> is Bill Belichick, and, and Bill Belichick essentially brings down this entire operation, which is kind of crazy, and I've seen the conspiracy theories now that Bill Belichick is just, he was just trying to get, the Giants in trouble, so he did this on purpose. I don't buy that. So what happened is Bill Belichick thinks he's texting Brian Dable 
former coordinator of the of the Bills, who took the Giants' job. He texts him, "Congratulations, great job, you know, you know, getting the, getting the gig." And there's a there's a, you know a back and forth. He he accidentally texts Brian Flores instead of Dable, and there's a back and forth. And Flores is like, "Wow, what have you heard?" He's like, "Oh, Buffalo and Giants people are both telling me you got the job." And he goes, "Well, I'm not interviewing until Thursday." And this conversation goes back and forth until Flores realizes that Belichick thinks he's texting Dable, and then he responds to him, and he's like, are, is this who you're trying to text, or are you trying to text Dable? And Belichick's response is, ah, I just reread the text. I, I, you know, it, it, it meant Dable is getting the job, not you. That's not really what happened. He's trying to cover there. He definitely sent the text thinking it was Dable that he was texting, and then tried to backtrack and cover his, his tracks a little bit. Not what happened, clearly, because he said Buffalo and and he said Buffalo and the Giants are both telling me, which means it's stable that he thought he was texting. This is a mess, and it's a problem, and it's the basis of the lawsuit because what Belichick was saying is, congratulations, they've hired you, and and Flores is like, I don't have my interview till Thursday. So what that means is the Giants had already hired Dable and agreed on Dable. And they still interviewed Flores just to get a minority candidate out of the way, yep. which is what people have been scared about this entire this entire time with the Rooney Rule of what's going on. There's no way that happened, and it's essentially confirmation. I mean, anyone who reads this is like, it happened. Of course it did, and it's happened for years. Of course, of course, it, it's a the Giants. Now I told you, I mean, it's like I've been arguing about crappy owners around the NFL, and for some reason, John Mara and company get kudos that they're. It, you know, just in a down period, they're, that's not a good ownership group and obviously very disingenuous here. Now, I believe that, th- and this is what we're referring to earlier with, this is a lawsuit about the court of public opinion, not a legal court. Right. Because there is a ton of plausible deniability in there of the Giants. are like, we didn't, whoever, I don't know who told him, we didn't make a decision. We didn't announce anything until after your interview. What are you talking about? We didn't, we didn't decide anything. And there's almost no way to prove that unless there's, text messages and things like that of, hey, we're giving you the job, but we're still giving Flores an interview. Like, if there's some electronic stuff that backs that up, potentially. But based on this, this is a huge sign in the public, like, wow, the league did this. Everybody can acknowledge what happened here. It's very easy to do, but that doesn't mean that it holds up in court. So I think those are two completely different things, and this is why this is much more of a a PR battle right now, I think, than an actual legal battle, and we'll see how that goes. The NFL already came out and said uh, none of the claims are with merit. And the Giants did, too. The Giants said Flores was one of our top candidates right till the end. So do the Dolphins. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's there, there's a lot going. And by the way, again, I said this after our, for our conversation about the Dolphins. We're still just scratching the surface of this. But Belichick, not knowing who he's texting, Completely Man, on brand. Amazing. Uh, Belichick, Completely on brand. Belichick. Why is it, by the way, why is it on brand? Because he's old? Well, remember Instaface? Yeah, but I, I thought I always thought that was just a joke. Like he knew I what he was doing. So. But but here's the other In, thing. Instaface. I'm so fascinated by Belichick's repeated use of exclamation points and question marks. I looked at it so quickly, I didn't even notice it. Yeah. It's like he he because uh, he said, "Hey, good job, you know, congratulations on the gig or whatever." He said, and Flores is like, "Do you know something I don't?" And Belichick goes, "Giants." Question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation. I love that. What? I use that all the time. That, yeah, because you're 90. Just like Belichick. <laughs> I love that one. What is that? 
That's insanity. I I love. Well, you know, you, these, you have to admit at that point when he does question mark exclamation point multiple times, he's like, oh crap, like that. It might have hit him at that point. Like he's like, oh wait, no, like, no, he still didn't get it. No, he still didn't. It, you can tell where he gets it. Oh, and you man. can tell where Flores gets it, too. So Belichick told Flores that O'Brien had the job, thought it was Flores, but it was Dable. Yeah, he thought he was texting Dable. He probably just has Brian in his phone. By, by the way, when they try to do an investigation on this, I just, like, is Belichick going to come in willingly? Because he's like, yeah, screw the league. This is my chance to get back at him. Isn't he going to just destroy his phone like Brady did? Oh, man, there's a bunch of people right now thinking He's, about it. Belichick's texting Brady like, hey, man, remember that uh, phone thing? What, what, how did you Friggin get rid of those? Steven Ross is going full Dexter right now, out into the bay, throwing all his phones. There's, breaking so, them up, putting them in a bag, and throwing them into the bay. This is Bay so, Harbor Butcher of Phones. This is so This is I love, great. I love every – just I want to see every text Bel, Bill Belichick's ever sent. And by the way, I, the only thing missing, and I, I really hope that we get more texts from Belichick, is like – Overusing bad emojis that don't really make any sense. Like, you know he does that. He's, like, trying to stay relevant and hip, but he's, he's like, not even close. 364-1100, caller 7 right now. Caller 7 slash is in town on February 19th at the theater at Virgin. The River is Rising Tour slash. Two tickets to go see slash from Guns N' Roses. You can get your own tickets at virginhotelslv.com. Caller 7364-1100. Tickets start at just 35 bucks. It's an 8 o'clock show on February 19th. Slash is in town at Virgin Hotels. Caller 7364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Great rebound, Jordan McKay. Smallest guy on the court flying for that one. Jordan in the backcourt. Throws up ahead to Hamilton. Hamilton in the front court. Hamilton's going to attack. Hamilton, a floater in the lane. Is good and a foul. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Thomas and Mack. John Sandler on the call. UNLV playing tonight against Reno, 7.30 start. Big rivalry game. That was a very solid win on the road. Colorado State came in 16-1, and and UNLV not only beat them, but I'm not going to say it was a blowout, but they had a comfortable lead. Once they blew it out to 10-plus, they were up big at the half, and then they withstood every run. CSU made, and you could hear John's surprise there talking about a big rebound. There were a lot of little things in the game where some of the guys who, you know, or the dudes who are averaging between, you know, four and eight points a game came up with big plays, big shots, big rebounds, big defensive plays, drawn charges, and then, of course, at the end, Bryce Hamilton, part of his 42-point effort. Now, is that going to build towards some momentum tonight? You hope. Donovan Williams is very iffy for the game, so that's a big piece. The Reno side is a really interesting story because they're leaking oil badly. Like they just got crushed at home by Utah State. This league is going to be crazy in the second half. You should also point out Bryce Hamilton, National Player of the Week. Bryce he did Hamilton. just get National Player of the Week. Uh, that was on top of Mountain West Conference Player of the Week. First Rebel since the guy that didn't try hard. Oh, Chris Wood got it? 2014, I believe he won. Yeah, remember the, the bad rap of Chris yeah. Wood, and now he's gone on to uh, making about 16 mil a year. The guy who was, the average, who was averaging like 23 and 14, and fans were like, he doesn't try hard. Okay. That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's crazy. 
So the Mountain West has been really interesting. Really interesting. Uh, Tim Neverett is calling a lot of these games now for FS1. He goes you know, way back here in Vegas and has been around the Mountain West forever, and he's uh, given us a little time to talk a little Mountain West hoops and also some NFL. Tim, how you doing, buddy? Good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. That game last night was crazy. So Colorado State off that loss against UNLV, and maybe it was a look-ahead spot as it turns out because then they got to go north to that border war. That was Great. I swear to God, the last couple of times I've been to Wyoming, you know, along with UNLV, there's like 500 people there. Last night was crazy. Yeah. I, I've been up there a bunch in the past, and that was the most crowded I've ever seen that place and the most loud and everything else, and it still wasn't sold out. <laughs> but it looked it. And, uh, you know, from where we were, it felt like it because the, the students really brought it last night. It was a great atmosphere. That's one of the my favorite things about college basketball is the, the students, the bands, the whole atmosphere, and they had it all last night up there. And I think that helped them. You know, I, I you know, I, I think that helped Wyoming in the end. You know, having the, the students there, and of course. you know, the, because you got David Roddy's got to shoot two, and one of them's going to give Colorado State the lead with a little over a second left, and he's got to look right into the teeth of the student section, which is right on top of you there. So, um, not making excuses for him, but yeah. I'm saying it. Switch places with them. That's just not an easy make. Yep, not at all. Uh, not at all. The atmosphere was awesome. Wyoming's a really good team, and it, you know it, it bears out in the record. And you know, like we just played the highlight from Bryce Hamilton. Bryce is here for his fourth year. I don't know if he'll be around for a fifth with the COVID year, but Hunter Maldonado is one of those guys where you're like, wait, he's still there? Oh, he's still there because he's turned into a guy who's basically an unstoppable force, and he was unstoppable last night. Yeah, he was. It's interesting because I thought Colorado State at some point in time would start to double them, and they, and they didn't. And, uh, you know, Jeff Settles, who worked with me on the game, he was saying the same thing. He goes, well, they, they got to double them at some point, don't they? Because, uh, you know, the way that he plays point guard is different. This is his first year playing point guard. And, you know, Jeff Lither, the, the coach at Wyoming, uh, decided that because of his veteran presence and his basketball skills, that they were going to try to create a different type of position for him to run this offense and build it around. And basically – they call him Barkley because he gets the ball, he backs in. They weren't doubling him, so he would either make a spin move, a little baby hook shot, whatever, uh, and he ends up with a career-high 35. I think at some point you got to double him, uh, especially when, you know, Graham Ike fouls out. You know, <laughs> you got to double Maldonado. Yeah. But uh, they didn't. He had a great game. He is something to watch, you know, on the defensive side, too, but – offensively, he's going to give fits to people around the rest of the conference. And I think Wyoming, with that win last night, put everybody else on notice uh, that they're actually legit. No doubt. Tim Neverett with us, one of the voices on FS1 of Mountain West Conference basketball. I will say, I thought it was completely ridiculous in overtime on back-to-back plays when you have the two big power players foul out on essentially what were flops. I mean, the, the block charge thing in college basketball sometimes is lunacy for EK to, I mean, Roddy weighs 252 pounds. He throws himself <laughs> to the floor. And then, you know, the officials are like, Oh crap. We just fouled him out. I'm not saying that they know that, but the next play up, then Roddy gets fouled out on a similar play. It's like, come on guys. It's funny. Right after the game, Steve, I, I went and, uh, I went up the, the hallway, uh, near the, uh, Wyoming locker room and, and Graham E.K. was there. Yeah. And I had 
and, and I talked to him in the morning. He stopped and he, he came over and he said, "What'd you think of those calls?" At the end? <laughs> and I said, "You know what? To be honest with you, the, as physical as you and Roddy were playing, I said you both would have fouled out one way or another." <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, nobody likes the offensive fouls. I get it, um, but I, I do think that you know they were letting him. They were trying to let him play for a little bit, but. I think when you see Roddy getting fouled with, you know, was it 1.7 seconds left, uh, they were they were calling it straight up. I mean, Randy McCall was the lead official, and he has been doing games for 100 years. I mean, he's, he's probably the senior guy in this part of the country doing not just Mountain West, but Pac-12 and you name it. So he's, you know, he's got Final Fours under his belt and all that stuff, but he he's one of the most experienced officials there is. Now, that being said, I worked uh, Boise State, Fresno State on Friday, and oh, he was boy. the lead official. In, he was the lead official in that game, and yep. they had about four, four or five offensive fouls called. It Orlando, Orlando Robinson, right, Tim? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I'm not. I, it's tough. Cool right? It's tough, and it's, cool and it's tough. It's tough throughout the game. Like at some point, maybe it gets too physical, but it's the inconsistency that gets you. And then you know, a guy like Orlando Robinson. I mean, you can basically take Fresno out of the game by nailing the guy with a couple of offensive fouls. So I, I don't know. I think they have well, to be. Yeah, but he got his, he got in trouble early though. He yeah. got two quick fouls, and he only played eight minutes in the first half. So oh boy. he got himself in early foul trouble in that game, and that was the big thing. But when he came out in the second half, he banged in fourteen points before you could blink. And, and that guy's a player. You know, you look all around the Mountain West this year. This is one of the better years they've had um, in, in terms of the talent, the the type of games that we can expect. I mean, you go to the Mountain West tournament this year. You're going to see some great basketball. You're going to see some unbelievable games. You get through the quarterfinal battles, and then you get to those semifinal games. You know, get tickets for the semifinal games because those are going to be flat-out 15-round boxing matches. They're going to be great games. So coming out of that, that game last night, I mean, I thought Colorado State was in a tough spot. They, they played fine. But any concern about them? You know, they had such a great start to the season. All of a sudden this week, uh, drop a couple of games. How do, how do you come out seeing them? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I talked to Nico Medved, their head coach, before the game, and I said, how do you bounce back from the UNLV loss? He says, ah, you know, we lost. We've got to get over it. Then I saw him afterward on the way out last night, and it was <laughs> it was a different mentality altogether, different mood altogether. Of course, it was right after the game, but um, I, I think that they're a little bit surprised. They, they, you know, they go home now, and they'll play San Diego State. Now, the big game now becomes the next one for Wyoming. They host Boise State coming up on uh, in, in two days on the third. So that's going to be one that you definitely want to get, get your eyeballs on, too. That's going to be a great game. And that could determine first place overall, keeping in mind that, you know, Boise State's won 14 in a row, um, setting a school record, and they're really good. So uh, they've got some good teams. And, you know, we are just talking about Orlando Robinson. i, I got to give Justin Hudson, uh, you know, a lot of credit. He's got difficult circumstances there at Fresno State, mm-hmm. and that is a good team. That's a good basketball team, and I'm just, uh, you know, surprised they don't get more attention. But they're they're pretty good. Knockoff of San Diego State, right? Pretty consistent. I mean, they play yeah. super physical. Yeah. They're they're bigger than you think, and and then they have a star in Robinson, which, by the way. Still stings for UNLV fans because uh, Vegas guy and his mom went to UNLV, and for some reason, Marvin Menzies' staff decided not to recruit him, which is, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to beat up on Marvin because I like Marvin, but that's, that's a bad miss when you see a guy go play for you know, five years in the league and, uh, and turn into a freaking superstar, especially at a position that isn't easy to recruit in the big position. Last one on the conference, 
Um, yeah. Two parts. Because I, I don't know all the games you've done and, and everyone you've seen. So I'll, I'll put it two ways. Who's the best team you've seen or who do you think is the best team overall? I Even though they're sitting at 4-2, and two, I still think San Diego State is the team to beat. I think they're the team to watch in the tournament. I agree with you. I, I think that Dutch is going to have them ready to go uh, come tournament time. And, you know, coaches will tell you, and this is coach speak, and you hear it all the time when you're around them, is, uh, you know, depending on their record too. But a lot of them will say, that February is the best month to prepare for March. Obviously, it is. I mean, it's pretty, you know, obvious. <laughs> but uh, it's what happens in March that really counts. And if you have a chance to win the regular season portion of the league, that's going to be great because, you know, the Mountain West is probably looking at, I mean, realistically, they might be looking at four bids, maybe five if somebody sneaks in and gets a tournament win. I mean, they could really have a great year in terms of NCAA bids this year. Uh, and, and I, you know, I do think that Boise State's a lock for the tournament. I think that uh, Colorado State and uh, Wyoming now, Wyoming and Colorado State in the net rankings. I don't know. We showed it a couple of times during the game last night, but they're like what thirty-four and thirty-five. They're like one number separates those two teams. So uh, there's a there's a lot there, um, and I'm just I'm just waiting for. Uh, a couple of years from now when UNLV is in that conversation, I think they will be under Kevin Kruger. I think he was the right guy to bring in there. and I, I think that they're going to get better and better and better. And, and why shouldn't they? They have the best facilities in the entire conference in terms of practice, in terms of games, in terms of everything. So that's just a matter of time, I think, uh, for the boys down the road. Tim Neverts with us, the voice of the Dodgers, voice of college basketball, also a longtime Boston-area sports fan. So a couple of uh, Patriots-related questions to close. What do you think of Josh McDaniels now? The, you know, he's a guy who uh, didn't work out in Denver, didn't work out with the Colts. He turned down the job after taking the job. What do you think for the Raiders? You know, my thought was initially was that McDaniels was going to take the job and they were going to bring in Tom Brady for a year. <laughs> and then Brady would retire. That's what I was hoping would happen. Yeah. Sure, okay, all right. All right. Well, that that ended today. He, we think he, he and McDaniel's are they are like very tight, and they work very well together. In case you didn't notice. So, but anyway, that's a whole other story. The Brady thing, but I think it's great. I think you know. I think the Raiders giving McDaniel's a chance now. He's you know he's much more mature in terms of football. So, uh, from where he was when he was the head coach in Denver, he was a kid then compared to where he is now. I, I can confirm that McDaniel's and Brady talked this weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah, because uh, McDan- did, did you ask him about it? I did. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of trying to get there, but I, what I asked him is if uh, how Brady was going to feel about him saying it was a fumble, and he said that he did re- he did reach out to Tom and say that he was going to publicly say that it was a fumble in the Tuck Rule game uh, because he you know he didn't want Brady to be caught off guard by it. So they did they did communicate. Oh, you were the guy that asked that question. That's great. <laughs> that good one. It was good. That's so Tim, great. that's good stuff. That's like asking Tommy Lasorda what he thought of Dave Kingman. Oh, yeah, let's not <laughs> let's not do that one. Paul Olden asked that not, question. Yeah, of Paul course, Olden but... was doing the he was doing the uh, Las Vegas Stars back then, and he's now the voice of Yankee Stadium on a PA. But he was one of the yep. AAA broadcasters in Vegas, and he was down at Dodger Stadium. And he asked Simon Dave Kingman hit like three home runs in the game, and he said, "What do you think of Kingman's performance?" And you can YouTube the rest. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Um, not to go on an old guy media rant, but uh, the more I think about what Paul Olden did there, 
so many people now will not allow stuff like that to happen because they try to smother interviews. And if you go back and listen to it, Paul Olden's like, oh, my God, I got a gem here. So I'll just throw in a one-liner every once in a while and let Tommy go. Yeah, well, that's kind of that's where baseball differs from a lot of other sports. Uh, you know, before COVID, I would say that because you know you had uh, pretty relaxed environments inside the managers' offices, right? Both pregame yeah. and postgame, and it was, wasn't like an NFL game where you got you know thirty, forty, fifty media people there. You got or a hundred media people there. You got uh, you know you might have five, six, or eight, sometimes more. But yep. LA, you probably had about eight or ten after a regular season game like that but he just said hey what i thought it was a fair question what'd you think of kingman's performance uh-huh. <laughs> and tommy goes off on him but i mean I, i've been in those situations uh in those you know clubhouse uh, offices and stuff and you have a lot of laughs uh especially when there's only two or three or four people in there you, have, you know sometimes the manager will let their guard down and uh give you some really funny stuff some of the best explosions ever uh from those sort of atmospheres lee Ilya with the cubs went freaking nuts on the fans, and then, uh, I mean, he had a duck, but Hal McRae wound up throwing a phone across Hal the room. McRae. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hal was a little upset. Yeah, he was, he was done skiing. Uh, what do you got coming up? You got your schedule for uh, games coming up next week or so? I wish. I, I, right now, I don't have anything in February. Come on. I'm kind of a scheduling, scheduling quirk. Yeah, they don't have me doing anything in February unless I get a phone call here, but um, I'm actually going to be in Vegas for the Big West tournament. I'm going to do oh, that's their, right. their quarter quarterfinals on ESPN and then I'm going to do their semifinals on radio and um, so I'm going to be uh, jumping in and out of there based on whether we're going to have spring training or not I think they're because uh, that's right at the very beginning of spring training for me and uh, so we'll see I, oh, yeah. the other, I do have another Mountain West game uh, March 4th I've got the, uh, the much anticipated game between Utah State and San Jose State Okay, well, it's, hey, you know what? It's a, it's a payday. We'll be watching. Um, That's right. One last thing for the audience. Reason if, to watch. if you yeah. need your Neverett fix, um, there's another Neverett who uh, will be doing some women's basketball games, on your view. I do games with uh, your son, Matt, so that's been a bunch of fun. Yeah, yeah that's great. And, and no, I, I, appreciate you, uh, I appreciate you carrying him. So oh, get out of here. He, he completely uh, carries me. Uh, I, just, I sit back, he, and he, he, he's, he's good, man. He's really good. Yeah, he's doing well. You know, Matt's doing real well, and uh, he's going to start uh, back with UNLV baseball again here pretty soon. He's got a lot of things coming up as well as, you know, women's basketball. Don't you guys have a game this week? You know, I don't even know my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I literally have, go day by day. Know mine. <laughs> I think uh, I have to look at the year view schedule. I think it's a couple weeks off, but now, now that you remind me, I'll be checking off. during the break. Yeah, so he's gonna, you know, he's gonna do that, and then uh, you'll probably see him over at the Mountain West tournament. He's gonna do some games on radio over there, and I'm gonna have him jump over to do a few from the Big West too while we're there. And uh, so he'll be busy during the month of March. So doing some good. Tim, appreciate it, man. Thanks for carving out some time for us. Anytime for you guys, and uh, be probably poking my nose over in Vegas uh, maybe sometime next month if we're lucky. There you go. Good deal. See you, Tim. All right. See you guys. Thanks. There he is, Tim Never. Now I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, okay, when is the next game coming up here? <laughs> we'll check on that. Uh, coming back, I, I do want to get to what happened yesterday in, in several portions of the show today on Josh McDaniels and what he said, and I know you have some behind-the-scenes stories you wanted to tell as well. So let's get to it. Raiders have a new GM, a new coach, MD. Mark Davis spoke a lot about uh, the whole process yesterday, so that's coming up on Cofield & Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. But don't register to vote and vote the stupid way you did up north. You'll get what they got. 
I'm glad that Tom had the good sense to finish his, finish his career with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I watched in awe at that man's talent and his professionalism, just the way he carried himself off the field. He epitomized what a professional ball player should be and how they should act. Yeah, that was an interesting set of bites. That was actually the Polk County Sheriff in Florida who uh, back in March was telling people how they should vote and <laughs> didn't sound like he wanted all nothingers to come down to the area, but uh, he was happy that one northerner came down. It was weird. Uh, Riverboat Ron, governor of Florida, DeSantis, and the local sheriff both had comments on Tom Brady's retirement. That's the kind of impact the guy had, and even in a market that he was only in for a couple of years. By the way, did have some borderline criminal activity, so the, the sheriff, I guess, chose to ignore that. You remember early on, there were some issues. I'm trying to remember. He was mostly breaking protocol. Oh, yeah. He, he wasn't to supposed to be park. outside of his house. Sure. And, you know, so, but I'm, both of those guys were, in the end, fine with that. So. Yeah, sure. No problem. Florida. <laughs> Always fun. Well, Always also, lots of fun. He also brought somewhat northerner. Oh, no, he's, he's actually southerner, Antonio Brown. I was thinking Pittsburgh, but... Uh, he brought oh, he, Antonio Brown down with him. Oh he, oh, he didn't have any comments on him. I'm sure his comments were much different for a lot of reasons. Sure. One, Antonio Brown didn't act professionally. Uh, two, you know the other reasons. Um, so a lot of hidden gems yesterday around the Raiders facility. Uh, you just mentioned the story with Tim Neverett about asking the guys about the tuck rule, and it was a fumble, it wasn't a fumble, so – you also just mentioned something, and I saw uh, one of your, your buddies put this out, that Mark Davis was talking about, you know, getting those big-name hires in the market like Becky Hammond. And when I saw this, I, I guess I was kind of blown away, but I, Becky Hammond's going to make a million dollars? Yeah. I just saw last night, is it Brianna Stewart, who's one of the big stars? She just got the Supermax contract for this season. She makes $226,000. Yeah. That's the Supermax. Yeah. A coach is going to make a million? But you knew it was gonna. You knew it was gonna be a big number. Like she had to be blown away if she was gonna leave the NBA. Yeah, and so when it first happened, somebody said, "How much do you think he's paying her?" I said, "At least a million. Which he didn't say a million. He said first more than a million dollar coach. Oh, I figured she was. I figured he was matching what she makes with the Spurs. I don't know that number, but I figured it was more like. Well, you're most. not keeping her still away from, high. You're not hiring away from the Spurs. You're hiring away from other NBA head coaching jobs. I mean, that's that. That was the you know, kind of the premise of, hey, she's waiting for her chance as a head coach, but she's going to go take the WNBA job. So a lot of people were kind of surprised by that, but you're going to have to pay. Now, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I don't begrudge her anything. I think she should make that much money. She's earned it. She's been a great coach. She's in high demand. She should make that much money. My only you know, thought was, man, how is this league going to react to this? How are the players going to react to this? Because it's not only salaries, as you just mentioned, like a super max deal for two hundred twenty six thousand a year, nice money, but that when your coach is making a million, and it's confusing to a lot of people, and it's not just the salary again; it's the travel that we've talked about a lot of times, yeah. where you know the travel budgets are very low. Now I think Mark Davis is changing that at least with the Aces, but is he allowed to? 
there's a lot of there's a lot of moving yeah, there, there was a whole deal where the MGM when they owned it wanted to use the one of their private planes and they fly the team around and the league's like nope competitive integrity yeah. you can't just do what you want yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to do that and it, it, listen the reason he said that he bought it and first of all he's a big fan um and and by the way we were talking to him yesterday about getting out to some UNLV games both men and women he's very excited to go see the Lady Rebels right now uh but you know he he wanted to buy it because he is a fan of women's basketball for sure he's talked about it for a long time but also he said he was advocating for MGM when they owned it to pay pay the players more, and they said we're not allowed to. If you want to make a change, why don't you get into the league? And so he did say, one of his stated goals in the league is to increase increase pay for the players. We'll see if he's able to do anything. About the league that. will not say a thing about Becky Hammond. No, and I don't think any other coaches will step up. And what are they going to complain about it? Yeah, just hope, hopefully you get pulled up by the bootstraps. But can I be your assistant and make three times what I'm making here as a head coach? My lord. Uh, you had a convo behind the scenes. Did you give some advice to – you, you're real tight with these guys already, huh? Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. You have a, another conversation you know, just concerning kind of winning over locals quickly? What's well, one of those uh, get to know you, you know, just kind of real quick. Don't have a whole lot of time to, to chat, but you just kind of get to know each other as little as possible. I know um, Paul Gutierrez tweeted out that uh, he was talking to Josh McDaniels about UNLV basketball in the past. McDaniels rattled off the starting lineup from the uh, 1990 uh, Rebels. Uh, so good for him. He had that knowledge. But I told both McDaniels and Ziegler in, in, in one-on-one conversations, I said, hey, little advice. You got a lot of interviews coming up. You live now in the state of Nevada, not Nevada. People will fry you for that. And they were both like, that's very helpful. Thank you. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.